We now turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans, chapter 8, I will read the verses 18 through 30, and the text is verse 28. Romans 8, at verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And now the text words, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose so far. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, today we may celebrate the love, the mercy, the grace of our God, as together we partake of the supper of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, as he promised, so he will feed us and nourish us unto life eternal. Before we partake of the Lord's Supper, however, we're going to listen to his word. And see, that word, that word proclaimed, that word is also our food and drink unto life eternal. Remember, in and by his word, the Lord assures us over and again of his love for us. And therein he shows us the riches of his grace to us. He wants us to see, to know, yes, to experience how very rich we are 
in him. To that end, we want to listen briefly to the word of the Lord as recorded by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans. We know, says Paul, yes, we know that in everything God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. This text, text, as you know, yes, this is one of those texts that people love to quote. But many a person who quotes the text so freely, many such people don't really understand what it is the Apostle Paul is saying here. You see, people don't really hear what the text says because they are not really listening to the text in its context. In other words, they don't get the word, the message of the Lord to his people, the church, because they read this text out of context. They act as though Paul had said nothing before this and that he says really nothing after this. But if you read on only a couple of verses, well, then you hear Paul say in verse 31, what then? What then shall we say to this? To what, you ask? Well, to this, if God, the God who in everything works for good with those who love him, if that God is for us, then who? Who is against us? That, you see, that's the thing Paul had been talking about all along. God is for us. That is the amazing, I guess, that is the overwhelming message Paul had been telling his readers about in this letter. When you turn back to chapter 3, you hear Paul say, both Jews and Greeks are under the power of sin. You understand? That means us too. We too, we are under the power of sin. None is righteous, Paul had said. Not a one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. When you listen to that and think about it for just a moment, then you know here Paul is talking about man in his rebellion against God. Ah, yes, he is talking about us as we are, were, by nature. And then you understand it. The Lord God is just when he inflicts his wrath against man in sin. And then you know it. Man in sin is in a hopeless situation. He is lost, utterly lost. Because think of it, because man, man in sin, cannot appease God. No man, yes, no person can 
by his or her own efforts, or by his own works, or by his own suffering, no person can win the favor of God. When you really grasp that, then you understand that the bottom line of the point is man, people left to themselves, have no hope. But, oh, but here now the apostles say, the righteousness of God has been manifested. In other words, the righteousness of God has been shown, it has been declared, it has been made known in, Je in Jesus Christ. And it can be obtained, if you will. That is, it can be yours only, only through faith in Jesus Christ. Think of it. In Christ, through his redemptive work, in Christ, God is for us now. You see... That, that's the gospel. That's the wonderful good news. God, our God, has wrought salvation for us in Christ. Well, now, that's what we remember and celebrate in the Lord's Supper. Think of it. In Christ, God is with us. In Christ, God is for us, for God gave his Son to us for our salvation. Unto us a child is born. <coughs> well, now, that's the first thing we have to remember when we quote those familiar words of verse 28, where Paul says that in everything God works for good with those who love him. You must understand it well. This, people who do not confess Jesus Christ, people who do not confess that God himself in Christ wrought salvation, such people have no business saying that in everything God works for good. But about people who do so confess Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord and who rejoice in that confession, such people read here a word that is so very rich and beautiful, so full of comfort and encouragement. You begin to see some of that when you pay attention to more of the details which Paul includes in his picture. I'm not going to give you a full description of all of that now, but I do want to call attention to verse 18 of this chapter where we hear Paul talk about the suffering of this present time. 
In that connection, remember, Paul points out that the whole creation eagerly awaiting the revelation of the sons of God. The whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth. You understand? See, what Paul is saying here is this. The whole creation, longing as it does for the breakthrough of the new creation, the whole creation is crying out for it, as it were, in pain, the pain associated with childbirth, long before that life is there for all to see. And that's not all. After all, but Paul says here about the creation groaning in the pains of childbirth. That is true not only of the creation, but we too, he says, we too groan inwardly as we await adoption as sons. Well now, when you put all of that together, then you begin to see something of the picture Paul is drawing. Think of it. <coughs> there is groaning. There is suffering. There is weakness. Ah, yes, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, says Paul. And not only does he help us in our prayers, he also intercedes for us. As a matter of fact, he prays for us when we no longer know how to pray. Well now, when Paul has first carefully, clearly underscored for the children of the Lord the wonder of that blessed assurance of which he had spoken, that's when he then proceeds to record what we read in verse 28. And, oh yes, I say it again, and the message of verse 28 is fantastically rich. It is wonderful. It is great. Think of it. God himself works. He works for the good of those who love him. God himself is right at your side, says Paul. He is right there working, working on your behalf. What a partner to have, the Lord God Almighty himself. He is ever faithful to us, his children. Remember it well. But you can ever claim God as your partner, if it is not true of you that you are groaning inwardly, and if it is not true of you that you are eagerly, eagerly longing for, eagerly waiting for the adoption as sons. See, you can never claim God as your partner, if you yourself are not a working covenant partner with him. Remember, 
Paul says, God works with you. That implies, you understand, that you too, that we, are working. Yes, it implies that we must work. Oh, we must not misunderstand that. See, we do not work our salvation. And we do not work for our salvation. Rather, we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, says Paul in his letter to the Philippians. Remember, Paul is addressing the church here. We, the members of the church, we are to be working out our salvation in the creation, in everything we do, in our work and play of each and every day. Well now, it is very important that we understand that word, the word creation, in all of its breadth here. You see, it involves, that is, it embraces, it comprehends all the structures of creation, the physical, the biological, the social, the economic, the political, etc., and our relationship to them. We are to be working faithfully in all of them, in all those structures, for the glory of the Lord, in obedience to His Word. Nevertheless, even so, the picture is still not altogether complete. Because, you see, not only is it true that we have to deal with suffering and groaning and weakness, but there will also be all kinds of opposition. Paul mentions a long list of opposing forces, including such things as tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, things present, things to come, and many more. But, says Paul, but none, none of those forces, not a one of them, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Well, now, it is when you put all of that together that you begin to see, yes, that, be, that you begin to understand how magnificent the words of verse 28 really are. First of all, God himself brought peace between us and himself through his Son, a marvelous reality. Then, secondly, Paul assures us that God helps us, each of us personally, in our weakness as we work with him in the creation. Then, thirdly, he points to the fact that there will be all kinds of opposition to the body of believers as they work for and with the Lord. Humanly speaking, our task is a nearly impossible one. 
But think of it now. But it's in and of that total situation that the Apostle Paul now says, in everything, in all things, God, God works for good with those who love him. Remember now, Paul says that to parents and to their children. He says it to the office bearers in the congregation and to the membership of the congregation. He says that to employers and to employees who struggle in the marketplace. Ah, yes, he says it to all of us. This, you see, ah, yes, this is God's word of promise to us today. And that word is made sure. It was made sure for us in Christ Jesus. And the Lord our God, wanting to communicate it to us in such a way that we could not possibly misunderstand it, gave us the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, that we might taste and see that his word is true. So he strengthens us over and again for our task for each and every day. And we, we will perform our task. We will, we will fulfill our mandate joyfully unto the praise and for the glory of our God. To him be the praise, now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father,